each time Dawn appears, the mystery is there in its entirety. Rene Dumont. Welcome, I'm Preston Floyd. I am your host for the Warfare Advancement and Revisionism podcast. Um, to give you a little bit of a background about myself, I have a Bachelor's of Arts in History. Um, this is my first attempt at a podcast, so forgive any technical errors as um, I master the audio editing software that is Audacity. Uh, so please feel free, though, to leave any questions or constructive observations or feedback. Um, I have only done my introduction so far and posted it. Uh, no communications about that. Uh, when I listened back to it out of the software, it did sound like the music was a little loud, and I hope I've rectified this at least for this little bit. Um, so, uh, kind of go into how this podcast is going to be formatted. Formatted, excuse me. Uh, first and foremost, this podcast is meant to discuss the history of humans, as in Homo sapiens. I will not be going in depth about Neanderthals or Homo erectus or Denis the. Denisovans. Uh, there are a couple of reasons for this. Uh, the main reason is to cuts out a couple of million years of conjecture and theorizing on what's already going to be a very long project. And that being said, I do need to mention some general conversations and controversies in Homo sapien origins. Um, that's mostly what this first couple of episodes are going to be about. Um, the second aspect of I show that I want to get into now is our coverage of our timeline. Um, again, as I said, the first couple of episodes are going to cover kind of theories about Homo sapien origins. So they're going to cover very long periods of time. And as time goes on, episodes will slow down in terms of the time frames they're covering. Um, we're going to go from episodes that span thousands of years two centuries and then down to decades and then two years and probably episodes that cover even shorter time frames. Uh, the reasoning for this change is simply due to the fact that more and more data is going to become available for us to digest and analyze. Um, now all that said, uh, we are going to probably have to go back and forth in time as needed, you know, jump around, maybe go back 50 years or 100 to cover a new area of focus, and by that I mean geographic area. Um, at the start, we will focus on Africa and spread out from there, kind of repeating our past as it were. Uh, we shall follow along hum um, kind of the human diaspora did, laying out where people ended their journeys as best we can. Uh, then we'll go to where kind of our written and oral history start and expand from these locations. Uh, so this is not going to be a linear story, and it's not going to be a static one. So um, with all this laid out, let's begin. So to start, we need to cover human age. How long man has existed varies depending on your definition of what constitutes a human. I've read dates that have this taking place anywhere between 315,000 to 70,000 years ago. Not surprisingly, this is a bit of a controversy. Uh, currently we have two 
disciplines that look into and attempt to answer questions like this. Uh, we're going to go into the archaeological research. Now when we deal with long time frames, there's obviously no way to 100% know anything. We can also reasonably assume that any kind of bones or artifacts we have found up to this point are not the first examples of said item in existence. Also, not every environment is suitable for, for preserving bones and artifacts and things like that, or they can only preserve certain types of artifacts. So what are the oldest Homo sapien remains ever found? In the 1960s, a miner was performing an exploratory survey in a mountain range about 30 miles or 50 kilometers east of the city of Safi, or Asfi, Morocco. Uh, and we'll be back here later. It's an important site for a number of reasons. Um, but while he was doing this survey, uh, he discovered a skull in the mountains where he was digging. Uh, now, he kept the skull for a souvenir for several years. Um, eventually, I believe he did hand it over. Um, but he let the local university know, and they began to kind of survey the area themselves. Eventually, a French-Moroccan archaeological team um, kind of formed and um, got funding for um, a more in-depth analysis of the area. Uh, this team found numerous bones and stone tools from a number of different time frames. Uh, now some of these bones were identified as Neanderthal and dated to be about 40,000 years old. Now as time went on, more in-depth studies of the remains kind of pushed the date back uh, to be about the same age as the former oldest Homo sapien fossils found had been. And those were found in Eastern Africa, and they were dated to about 200,000 years ago. Um, so they moved the date for the supposed Neanderthal artifacts back to 200,000 years. Um, it seems this site had a number of dating issues from the start. Um, now, part of that is, you know, archaeologists wanting to probably be or temper their expectations I think for lack of a better term um, regardless um, it should be apparent why this would be interesting this is a direct comparison of Neanderthals and the first homo sapiens living in Africa at the same time frame now obviously there's going to be differences between Morocco and Ethiopia but tools diet and health could still be very interesting and important comparisons. Uh, now in 2004, a fresh expedition was sent to the site to dig some more. Eventually a number of bones were found. I think they estimated it to be a total of five individuals. Um, they were found along with animal bones and tools. Now, the examination of the human bones shows that these people had faces the same size as modern humans, but with a larger lower jaw and a slightly longer kind of posterior brain case. Um, basically, they had melon heads, for lack of a better term, um, just to kind of help you visualize it. Uh, this made them very similar to Homo sapien bones found in South Africa 
that were around between 294,000 to 224,000 years old. Um, I think it's called the Flora... Flora... Florispad Man? Um, I'll have to double-check that name. Um, as for the animal bones, they showed signs that they had been butchered and prepared for consumption. Um, the tools were even more interesting, though. They were stoned, and they had been burned by the fire that was used to prepare the food. Uh, this meant that the tools were able to be tested via a new type of dating. It's called thermoluminescence dating. And I'm not going to go into the science on this because I'm not. A, this is beyond my level of study. Um, but essentially, just to kind of give you a dumbed-down explanation of this, is that the this is like radiocarbon dating, but for minerals. And now these tests push the date back even further to 315,000 years ago. And these findings were published in 2017 in Nature Magazine, and I'll try to remember to post the link to the article um, for the episode if you're interested, but you should be able to find it also by with a very easy Google search. Uh, now what does this mean? Does this mean that we have found the first barbecue in human history? And unfortunately, no. But I wouldn't begrudge Morocco's tourism industry if they wanted to try to market that. Um, does this mean that human beings originated in the mountains of Morocco instead of somewhere in the Great Rift Valleys of Eastern Africa? Well, that's a matter of further controversy that we're going to get into now. There are three theories that I want to get into that explain how humans populated the world. Uh, the most commonly accepted theory is that humans originated somewhere in Africa and they spread out from there in multiple waves. The next two most popular theories are that Homo sapiens either developed from an ancestor that was influenced by or related to the Neanderthal or Denisovans or kind of the end point of the Homo erectus tree and then that group uh, moved into Africa before leaving again later. The second most popular theory however is that variants of Homo sapiens evolved in multiple locations independently and semi-simultaneously of each other from a prior species of Homo that had left Africa. I've noticed that this in particular is popular with some Chinese archaeologists and I think some of their conjecture probably comes from internal political and cultural pressures to make China more central to the human story or at least uh, for Chinese history to be more independent or unique within the rest of the human story. Uh, though they do raise good points uh, in that Asian fossils are majorly understudied. Uh, and that is slowly changing, but it is a problem, um, or at least it's a big black hole kind of in our study of human origins. Um, now the argument that this later school makes is that essentially early hominids like Homo erectus have fossils in Eastern Asia that show more modern features uh, than in earlier populations further to the west and that some Neanderthals in Europe 
probably continued to develop into modern humans, while also continuing very small levels of interbreeding with the older remaining Neanderthals, which explains why people from Europe have DNA from them. Uh, there are also examples of Denisovan branches spread all across Asia, and their DNA shows in modern populations, uh, kind of depending on which branch of Den Denisovan you're talking about and in what amounts. Um, now, the Al Africa school relies on more substantial fossil evidence and um, also mitochondrial DNA evidence. Uh, Africa kind of has clear earlier and a lot more numerous fossil evidence of Homo sapiens. Then there are DNA studies um, that track earliest common female ancestors. Um, I think all of those kind of point to an African origin as well. And that leads us into our second major field of study that is attempting to answer kind of when we emerged, and that is genetics. So DNA study is a relatively new field. It's only been around since the 80s. Um, we're still learning and fine-tuning the discipline, and there are time limits on what can be tested. That said, there have been efforts and studies to map humans worldwide to determine what DNA and lineage we have in common with each other. Now, these are not you know, individual um, studies or even family studies, but these are tracking large population groups. Um, so as time goes on and we gain more information and kind of refine our techniques, I'm sure that most of this will change. But from what we have learned so far from these studies, scientists kind of estimate that we could be older than 350,000 uh, 350, years old. Um, and we began to migrate to different regions not long after that, if the fossil evidence can be believed. And now keep in mind that these are estimated dates. Um, we haven't been able to get DNA from Homo sapien fossils, I think, that are older than 200,000 years. So based on the estimated time frame and our genealogical evidence, we can kind of start to divide um, branches of the Homo sapien tr family tree, essentially, um, with two forks appearing fairly shortly after our DNA became more, um, let's call it more identifiable. Um, so to kind of tie all this up, I want to come back to the simultaneous evolution theory. I hope I didn't sound too dismissive because they do have some evidence backing them up. And this DNA evidence doesn't disprove their theory. DNA doesn't say in and of itself where it's from. Uh, the sources of the DNA say that. So it's still possible that proto-humans left Africa earlier than we are estimated to have had more standardized DNA and died out, or left in small enough numbers that they couldn't outcompete uh, the other homo species who had left Africa earlier, and they e ended up either being subsumed or killed by them until more homo sapiens came along and subsumed and killed those earlier species. Um, personally, I believe that the, Af the, that the out of Africa theory is the correct one. Or I should say I think it's the one that gets more right than the other theories do. 
So I'm going to begin our history with that assumption in mind. So it's 350,000 years ago. Uh, you're a bipedal walking ape. Um, what kind of world are you emerging into? Well, um, at that point in time, the Earth is still in its last major ice age, or as the geologists call it, the Pleistocene. Um, and this is going to last until about 11,700 years ago, give or take a century, depending on what you consider an ice age. Um, in Africa itself, uh, it's going to be fairly similar to the way it is today. There are some exceptions to that, which we'll get into. Um, most of the north of Africa is a mix of deserts and rocky highlands and mountain ranges, with the exception of the Nile River and its banks. And the immediate boundaries, of course, on the Mediterranean. Uh, also, this uh, Sahara Desert, it alternates between greener periods every 20,000 years or so. And by greener, we consider it more of a savanna. Uh, and our ancestors would have been able to move across it easier at sometimes more than others. Uh, it's very possible that this led to some groups being isolated as this would have been well before the domestication of the camel. It's well before domestication even. <laughs> uh, now going south of the Sahara uh, you get to the Sahel. It's again a semi-arid savanna. Uh, it has grasses, shrubs, small trees, uh, with some small streams and ponds that would come and go with seasonal rains and some more permanent sources of water the further south you go and to the east heading to the mountains of the Red Sea. This is also the region where the White and Blue Nile and their smaller tributaries meet to form the Nile. Of course in the past the Nile had a different course than it does now and its smaller tributaries today might have been larger then. Um, now south of the Sahel is far less uniform. Uh, there are larger and more reliable sources of water and more mountainous regions. In the west there are the Senegal and Gambia rivers and their tributaries that kind of flow into the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, the mountains that are located in the Futajan and Guiana Highlands the Niger River and its tributaries make a wide run from southwest to northeast before bending to the southeast to feed into the Gulf of Guinea. Uh, this gulf is also fed by the Volta River that runs from north to south. And east of the Niger River there are more mountain ranges and north of those is Lake Chad. Lake Chad is fed by the Shari River and this basin is an important feature and helps mark the end of the Sahel. Continuing east, you have more hills and mountains before reaching the Sudan and the White Nile. Then you get to the Eastern Rift Mountain Ranges and the Blue Nile and the Mountain Heights before running into the Red Sea and the Horn of Africa. Moving south down the Horn, you enter into a steppe-like climate. Then Back to the west, you have the middle of the eastern rift mountain ranges, which include Mount Kilimanjaro and Mount Kenya, uh, nestled kind of in a fork uh, or armpit of that rift, you have Lake Victoria. Crossing over the rest of the fork in the west, you run 
you then run into Lake Tanganyika and the Congo River Basin, and the rainforests of Central Africa to the Atlantic Ocean. South of Tanganyika is Lake Malawi. Directly to the west of Malawi is the Katanga Plateau and the Zambezi River Basin, and that flows east into the Mozambique Channel, which separates the island of Madagascar from mainland Africa. Now west and south of the Zambezi are the Kalahari and Namib deserts. South of the Kalahari is the Orange River, which feeds into the Atlantic, and to its east is the Limpopo that runs into the Indian Ocean. Both of these river basins start in the large mountain ranges of South, uh, sorry, of Southern Africa, what is now South Africa. All of this is contained in about 11,725,000 square miles or 30 million, uh, 367 square kilometers. And the continent measures about 5,000 miles or 8,000 kilometers from north to south and about 4,600 miles to 7,400 kilometers from east to west. I'm laying all this out so we can discuss how we kind of ended up where we did in Africa. I'm also doing this to kind of tie back into our discussion of DNA and genetics. Um, again, shortly after we had our more standardized, I guess, homo sapien DNA, uh, we begin to see a split uh, in our family tree. Um, there was a woman who is referred to by some as mitochondrial Eve. She is the last common female ancestor for all humans that live today. Um, she probably lived somewhere in Central Eastern Africa possibly along the banks of Lake Malawi or Lake Tanganyika or Lake Victoria or maybe on the coast somewhere. Who knows exactly? Um, this woman would have had at least uh, two children. Um, and those children um, would have gone with obviously different groups um, to different locations. Um, and it may not have been her children. It may have been her grandchildren. Like, her, her children could have all lived together um, with, you know, close family. We don't know human sizes. Um, it could have been a group from small as 20 to, you know, smaller even. It could have been a group of 10 or ten or less. Um, it's, it's impossible for us to say. Um, so I don't mean to conjure an image of a woman tearfully bidding goodbye to uh, her, her children as one goes south and one goes north. Um, that's probably not what happened. But it's hard not to, honestly. Um, it's, I think, a human thing to do. I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone having that image come up into their head when they heard it either. Um, but that being said, um, you know, one of her children, or at least one of her children, I should say again, um, their descendants would go on and go to kind of the south and west into the interior of southern Africa. Um, and the other group of children or other child, um, they would have either remained where they were, possibly, or um, then expanded uh, 
north and uh, west and uh, east um, into the rest of the continent, or that child's children did. Um, but yeah, so we get we get two branches fairly early. Um, one kind of occupies South Africa, and one the the north and the east of it. Um, and again, we we will see the division further again later. Um, the group that went south will divide, and the group that stayed or went north will divide again. Um, but that's going to be something we're going to get into the next episode. Uh, this episode's been about a little over 20 minutes. Um, I think that's a good length for an introductory episode. Some will probably be more than this. Um, but I'm going to try to keep them around 20 to 30 minutes per, you know, per episode. Um, so, but we've covered a lot of ground, um, at least 100,000 years from our emergence to kind of our, our shift, as it were. Although we honestly didn't talk too long about actual history. Uh, so this next episode, um, again, we're going to go into the further branching of the human uh, family tree. Um, and we'll try to get into a little bit more discussion about how these individuals lived, what their lives were like. Um, yeah, but uh, I thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any feedback, and I'm apologizing right now because there's an ambulance coming through because we're having a snowstorm in the south of the U.S., um, or we're about to, and people are driving like idiots uh, because we don't know how to deal with that crap. <laughs> uh, okay, emergency services have passed through. Um, again, thank everyone. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear it. Um, I do apologize for any kind of cars going by. My apartment is very close to a very busy road. Um, I'm going to try and kind of filter all that stuff out. Um, but that being said, uh, please send feedback. If um, you download my podcast, please rate and subscribe. Um, and if you have any questions or anything, please feel free to reach out. Um, I think you can reach me um, through the individual services, but if not, um, my podcast email is waradrevpod at gmail.com. That's W-A-R-A-D-R-E-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you guys, and I hope you enjoy. And we'll be back next time with the Warfare Advancement and Revisionism Podcast. Thank you and have a great day.